I was kind of on the fence if I was going to do an episode this week. Um, I'm staying down in Mexico here for a little bit of Christmas break, and there's a big storm at home. And, you know, I just thought, oh, I could take a week off or whatever. But you know what? My kids are all down at the pool. My wife's down at the pool. The noise you hear in the background are the people in the pool and the ocean and whatever else is going on. So I thought, you know what? kind of seems like a, a nice day to do an episode. So today is Monday, December 26th, and this is the last episode of the year for the brew house. As I said, I'm back in Mexico <clears throat> after my son and I came down back in July while we were in Mexico City. We were supposed to go to Peru, um, but they had rioting because of some political thing. I think like they were trying to oust the president and the president like got rid of Congress or something. And apparently, you know, people have a problem with that. So uh, there was some rioting where we were going. They shut down the airport. Then we were going to go to Machu Picchu. In order to go to Machu Picchu, we have to go to Cusco. In order to get to Cusco, you got to go to the air. Well, they shut down the airport and that's pretty much the only way in or out of Cusco. Cusco sits at about 11,000 feet above sea level. So you can drive there, you can take a train there, but it takes a while. But uh, I'll get back to Peru yet. But what we did was, is uh, we actually searched flights and I used Google Flights and uh, I forget the Hopper app on my phone and everything. And my wife and I looked for a warm place to go that didn't cost a lot of money to fly and to see what we could find. And it turns out that Puerto Vallarta was actually really inexpensive. We could fly here for $300 a person, uh, just regular coach, whatever. It was from Sioux Falls, so like really close to two hours from my home, from where I live. That flight to Chicago, Chicago to Atlanta, Atlanta to here, so not too bad. Uh, the first flight, I mean, we were here by 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It was pretty sweet, actually. Uh, yeah, because we had to stay overnight in Chicago. Now, on the way home, it's one day, and we'll be there. We leave at 1, and we get home at, like, 9 or something like that. So, anyways, and you know what? Honestly, for it being a resort town, and I'm not, like, a resort kind of guy, this has actually been a really fun break, getaway. Usually, I, when I think about vacations, I think about I like to have a little bit of a challenge. So, we go to Nicaragua, or we go to El Salvador, and, you know, we hunker down, we go to the markets, we do all that. And we did go to the markets here, but, you know, they're really Americanized. Oliver and I did go to the fish market, which is probably a little more local. I read some stuff about it that, uh, you know, the, the fish restaurants and things usually go to this market in the morning before they open the restaurant. So we were able to cook fish and everything else, and Oliver wanted crabs, so they had crabs there. Anyways, let's just, uh, let's wrap about some... Uh, technical stuff so um since i've last recorded which was a couple of weeks ago i I had a couple of episodes prepped knowing i was going to be thinking i was going to be in peru uh the last episode i believe was on the chat gpt and again the first episode or uh, the one of the midweek tech roundups that i did i completely reversed my feelings on chat gpt and about how i think it's the future i honestly think that chat gpt is stealing and not giving credit where credit's due for the works. I mean, if you ask it for a recipe to make 
pumpkin pie, it's stealing that recipe from somebody. Or it's aggregating multiple recipes together to make one recipe. It doesn't matter. It's still stealing that data. It's still stealing somebody else's knowledge. It's still stealing from somebody else's website, potentially harming ad revenue and everything else. Now, is AI cool? Sure. I'll give you that AI is cool. But stealing somebody's data without taking their data without permission is just wrong. I mean, I have a problem with Google when you search like, you know, how many Saturdays are in November and it just gives you the answer. It's stealing that data from somebody else's website, which could pretend, which was probably the number one hit. And it's removing all, one day Google rolled this feature out and the ad revenue to this site went to zero. They're stealing the data and I don't like it. But anyways, SBF uh, finally came back to the US and uh, he ended up in court and was thrown in jail on a $250 million bail. Now, you might think, well, he sucked because he said publicly that he only has $100,000 in his bank account. Well, apparently he's able to pay a $250 million bail by putting his parents' house up. Now, let's just be honest here. The house that he put up probably was paid for with FTX funds. So he's literally defrauding the people again. That house should be on the market right now to be able to pay back the people that thought they were just trading in an exchange for on, on FTX. It's, it's completely crazy. Now, one other kind of wrinkle to this whole story, well, two things. Carolyn Ellison, um, we've, we now found out that supposedly the deal is that she's agreed to roll on on Sam and, and both Sam and Sam Trabaco, who was the ex-CEO of, uh, he quit like two weeks before, of... Uh, Alameda Research. So Carolyn and Sam were co-CEOs. And if you've ever watched the, the TV show The Office, um, when Jim and Michael both became co-CEO, Oscar had some words about it. And I think it was something along the lines of what, what company doesn't run great with two CEOs? I mean, who could forget about the Popes? Whatever. I mean, talk about a red flag. You need a company with two CEOs to run it. That's not usually how things work. You usually have a board that helps the CEO make decision, but in the end, the CEO is making the decision. Anyways, um, Sam Bankman-Fried got thrown in jail. Carolyn Ellison's going to roll all over him, and Sam Trabaco, and this Nishad Singhi. I don't know how even know how to say it, but uh, he 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 placed the he paid the bail. He was on an airplane flying back to California first class just a few hours after he was thrown in jail completely and utterly ridiculous now the the cool wrinkle or the interesting wrinkle to this story is the sam trabuco trabaco trabuco well i don't know who cares he quit two weeks before like the whole thing kind of unraveled no one knows where he is i know that if i had a hundred million dollars i could probably fly or sail because he has a boat to an extradition uh a non-extradition country and uh, maybe hang out. And I'm guessing that a lot of these non-tradition companies, say like Cuba, $100 million would go a long ways. And good news, you can't be extradited back to the U.S. So you can take that $100 million, put it in a, in a Cayman bank or put it in a Swiss bank, and you're good to go. So I would be surprised if we see this Sam Trabuco again or this Nishad Singh again. I mean, Sam Bankman-Fried would have been smart if he'd have, just packed up his money and went to a non-extradition country and called it good. Uh, something interesting is going on on Twitter. So as we know, Elon took over Twitter. But what's making it really interesting to me is that um, he's publicly putting out there, like, 
changes to the UI, changes to the way Twitter works, to a public vote, including a vote that included uh, whether he should step down as CEO. So he's kind of running Twitter like a democracy. So whoever votes on it, um, he'll basically abide by the 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 votes. I mean, I, I think you know, kind of when he when he actually was voted out to step down as or voted to step down as CEO, I think that. Uh, that took him kind of by surprise. I think that he thought that more people liked him as CEO. I don't know. I don't care. I don't really have a dog in the fight. But uh, I think he kind of alluded to the fact that he was bot hunting at the time. So I don't know. Maybe there's maybe a little bit not fairness going on here. But who knows? I don't know. It's fun to watch. I, I, I like watching this uh, all this Twitter drama go down. And, and honestly, I can say that the tweets that I'm seeing in the last few weeks – have been more to my interest than what they were pre-Elon. So, like, the technology stuff that I'm interested in, even though a lot of people I, I know on here have supposedly left Twitter to go to Mastodon or something else, I, there's still quite a bit of Twitter tech stuff going on that I enjoy reading, and for whatever reason I'm seeing more of it now, which I never was engaged with that before. The thing would, the thing would give me a lot of political posts, uh, a lot of political tweets, and it would also give me a lot of football stuff. And I'm just, I mean, if you know anything about me, you know I'm just not interested in sports. It's not really a thing that really trips my trigger. Um, I think the last one of the day, like I say, I'm on vacation here. I'm going to keep it short. Uh, the, a new version of the Hive ransomware is released. Now, that, that, that might not seem interesting to you, but what I found interesting about it is there, one, they've completely revamped how they encrypt files. They've gotten rid of the... Zor, Zor encryption, and they've switched to this cha-cha encryption, which I guess is just insane. Uh, Multi-keys per file. I don't, I don't understand it. But what I find most interesting is the is the ransomware note, and I'm just going to read it to you here, and then we're kind of, I'm going to kind of break it down why I think this is interesting and why this is different than what um, what's what's been in the past, and how it's taken the kind of like all of the knowledge of ransomware and kind of summed it up in one note. It's Hive Ransomware. We got your network and downloaded all important data. We also encrypted your systems to decrypt all the data and to prevent exfiltrated files uh, to be disclosed at, and then it gives you an onion address, you will need to purchase our decryption software. Please contact our sales department. It's got an onion address, login, user, password, password. To get a uh, to get an access to Onion websites, download and install Tor Browser. Gives you a link to the Tor Browser. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Follow the guidelines below to avoid losing your data. Do not modify or rename encrypted files. Your data will be un undecryptable. Do not try to decrypt files with a third-party software. You may damage the files. Do not report to the police, FBI, etc. They don't care about your business. They simply won't allow you to pay. As a result, you will lose everything. Do not hire a recovery company. They can't decrypt without the key. They also don't care about your business. They believe that they are good negotiators, but it is not. They usually fail. Speak for yourself. Do not reject to purchase. Exfiltrated data will be publicly disclosed. Okay, let's break down these guidelines because I find these fascinating. So first one, do not modify or rename encrypted files. The data will become undecryptable. That's normal. That's been in there forever. That's like since the inception of the ransomware notice this has happened. Do not try to modif do not try to decrypt files with third-party software. You may damage the files. Okay, that's new. 
these company or these this ransomware company Hive knows that people have you know figured out how to decrypt some types of this encryption, and so they're basically saying do not use those even if there is one because you risk damaging your files. Here's a good one: do not report to the police, FBI, etc. They don't care about your business. They simply won't allow you to pay. As a result, you will lose everything. Now, obviously. Hive's job is to is to cause panic, right? So what I find interesting here is while I agree, the FBI and the police do not care about your business. It's their job to catch the bad guy. And that's that's kind of the part that Hive didn't mention there. It's their job to catch the bad guy. In instances where I've been involved with the FBI or the local police for ransomware, they they tell you they say to you, we suggest you don't pay but they can't stop you from doing from running your own business. So it's not exactly true that the FBI will say don't pay. It's, this is probably more of a scare tactic to make it so you don't report to the FBI, so people don't get chased down. You know, kind of like you're in the corner scared that something's going to happen, so you just don't tell anyone. That's probably where they're going here. Okay, here's a good one. Do not hire a recovery company. They can't decrypt without the key. They also don't care about your business. They believe that they are good negotiators, but it is not. They usually fail. Speak for yourself. Okay, this is a good one. So uh, a while back, I was invited to a like a tech conference at a ba- at a local bank, and I went because a local business, large business in the area, got encrypted by ransomware, and I attempted to reach out to them to kind of give them some advice from my experience, like don't turn systems back on until you're sure that you got it, all of that kind of stuff. But they never answered the call. Anyways, their lead network administrator was going to be there and the CEO was going to be there. So I was like, I'm going to this because I'm super interested in what happened. Anyways, the guy, the CEO is giving the presentation. Well, I followed this one really closely because the data leaked because of uh, somebody uploaded the binary to VirusTotal. So all of the URLs, the ransom note, all that was out there for us to look at. So I was able to get in, see the back end and watch the conversation between what I thought at first was the business and then the, the bad guy turned out to be lots of other people like me who were watching this all go down. Anyways, the, the guy speaking said that they had hired a third-party company, and I, the name escapes me. It's a big, popular company. I can't, like I say, the name escapes me. But they would only take personal credit cards. They wouldn't take any business credit cards or anything like that. So the guy's like, you know, I ran up because uh, they refused to pay the ransom. I ran up $100,000, $200,000 in debt on personal credit cards. My wife ran up debt on personal credit cards so we could try to get some of these files we needed decrypted. They were like database files or something, and the database hadn't been backed up correctly, which that's another that's a topic for another day. The So it got to the question and answer session, which is why I was there. I was there for this. So I raised my hand, and I said, how do you know that that third-party company didn't take that money to pay to get the keys to decrypt those particular files because I would assume when the when all of the systems on the network got encrypted they used multiple keys to do it so this one server got encrypted with this key this server got encrypted with this key different keys and he paused he looked at the network administrator and he says well I can say that I honestly don't know that they didn't actually just pay the ransom so there you have it I, I you know the, the the idea was is that they were virtuous and they weren't and they weren't helping the bad guys 
But in the end, I'm 99% sure that they were helping the bad guys. The, the negotiators were in there in the middle taking their cut and knocking down the price of whoever encrypted their network to something lower, and they were keeping the difference. So this is, I don't know, to me it was obvious, but you know, I, I understand in the panic of the moment, like you don't think you're not thinking about things like that. You're thinking about, well, I'm paying this third party to decrypt these files. I mean, when these files are encrypted, it's encrypted hard. <laughs> like, like they're not able to just be decrypted magically. I know there's some that they've captured the keys and things like that as they've been as they encrypt and whatever. There are some decryptors for some ransomware, but these guys paid for particular files to be decrypted, and it took weeks. And then they had to send similar files. Uh, and I, my assumption on that was like they need, they had this database file that they wanted unlocked. So they sent the database file to the company. Well, they're like, well, we want a smaller file. Are there any PDFs or anything on that server that we can test with? So my assumption is, is that they sent the PDF off to the, the guys who encrypted. They decrypted the PDF. Okay, now we can discuss price on the key. And that's when the whole thing happened. And that's when the bad actors actually got paid. But it's interesting that they say don't talk to the negotiators, even though for sure, people will still talk to the negotiators. Anyways, do not reject a purchase. Exfiltrated data will be public, publicly disclosed. I mean, none of that's new. They, they do that. A lot of times, you know, if you're interested in it, people can read it. But I don't know. In my opinion, kind of everybody's just sort of used to your data just being out there. It just, you know, they do the same thing. They offer you credit monitoring protection and for a year or something. And then that... And then you can either take that or the $2. Like, that's basically what they do now. And your data is just out there. I don't really, I know that sounds like I'm defeated, but I'm not. Whatever. But, you know, the, the whole other thing here is they've always tried to make it seem like this ransomware thing is a business. Like they're helping you out. So the whole please contact our sales department. I don't know. I find that pretty funny, actually. Like, please contact our sales department. Please hold for sales. <laughs> Well, anyways, I think I've overdone my talking here, and everybody's probably bored and probably sick about hearing the splashing and the music in the background, and so I won't, I won't hold that in front of you anymore. I hope everybody had a great Christmas holiday, and I hope you have a good New Year's, good and safe New Year's, and uh, I will see you all.